Pray with me. Loving God, may you illumine our minds and hearts that the scripture we hear read, the words we hear proclaimed, the good news we celebrate might be your word for us this day. We ask it in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, this is a most unusual Easter. And so that we can name together some of the ways this Easter is unusual for us, I'll invite you now in the comments section of Facebook to write and finish this sentence. This is the first Easter where I, and finish the sentence. Or if you'd like to do it for your family, you might say this is the first Easter where we, and then finish the sentence. You can do that in the comments section of Facebook now. If I were to answer that question, I would have to say this is the first Easter where I was preaching to an empty sanctuary. Ordinarily, this is a Sunday where our parking lot is full of cars. Our pews are full of people. A host of children come forward for a time with the children but not today. No, today, in order to help prevent the spread of a deadly virus, you are in your homes, and I am here with you in spirit, with you in real time, but I'm not with you in shared physical proximity here in this sanctuary. This is the first Easter where I will be having dinner with my extended family via Zoom. I didn't know what a Zoom dinner was before a month ago. Now I'm having one on Easter evening. This is the first Easter where I went shopping for that dinner to the Pasadena Farmer's Market and had to do so wearing gloves and wearing a mask and having to wait in line more than 30 minutes to even enter the market. There are ways this Easter is unusual for many of us. Some of you've mentioned already that this is the first Easter where you celebrated it in your slippers or in a robe that was not like this, but more like a bathrobe. It's an unusual Easter. And the truth of that matter, the reason it is unusual is because we are worshiping God in the shadow of a deadly virus. Just days ago, the number of people whose lives it had taken surpassed 100,000. We're celebrating Easter amid a pandemic. That's why we are live streaming. But strange as the moment may seem, it's important to remember we're not the first to celebrate Easter in the shadow of death. No, there's a long Christian tradition of doing just that. During World War II, Believers around the world celebrated Easter when death was dropped from the sky. Here's an image of an Easter service celebrated on April 9, 1944, in Italy by American soldiers. So many of those kneeling had lost friends to the war, but they were worshiping God, saying he is risen even under the shadow of death. On March 31st, 1918, Believers celebrated Easter like they are doing here on nearby Mount Lowe. World War I had gone on for four years by that time, a war that would take an estimated 16 million lives. 
Food shortages had grown so acute that a national campaign was undertaken that year for an egg-free Easter. Washington, D.C. canceled its annual egg roll. This is a photo of the egg roll when it was resumed some years later, but in 1918, government officials banned the decorating of eggs and selling of egg dye so that millions of eggs might be saved and sent to troops overseas. By Christmas that year, fears of the Spanish flu had grown so acute churches were canceling worship services. They were dropping off Sunday school materials and home worship instructions on the doorsteps of congregation members. Congregants were instructed to connect and care for people using that crazy technological tool called the telephone. Here's a picture of a streetcar conductor in Seattle in 1918 refusing to board any passengers who were not wearing masks. The Spanish flu claimed millions of lives. That year, people celebrated Easter and Christmas under the shadow of death. It's what believers did in Wittenberg, Germany in 1527 when the bubonic plague staged a deadly return. Martin Luther would write of the importance at that time of fumigation, of medicine, of avoiding places and persons where one might infect others. Those who heeded Luther's counsel were careful that year, but still they said, he is risen. He is risen indeed. And they said those words, they worshiped God on Easter in the third century when the Cyprian plague was taking the lives of as many as 5,000 residents of Rome a day. They did so in cities like Carthage, depicted here, even under the shadow of death. So how do you do that? How do you celebrate resurrection when you are so concerned about a deadly virus you can't even go out to gather in sanctuaries? How do you celebrate Easter when you're reminded by every set of gloved hands and every masked face every time you go out not to your office or to your school or to your church, but rather to your desk or dining table or bed that you're not, it's not safe to go out. How do you worship God? How do you celebrate Easter under the shadow of death? Well, to that question, we go to scripture and specifically the story of that very first Easter according to Matthew's gospel. And as we recall this wondrous set of events, we remember how that first Easter took place under the shadow of death. Listen for these words from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, the Easter story, according to the first gospel. Listen for God's word to us this day. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised. As he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, 
And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So the women left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The two Marys approach the tomb on Easter, having just witnessed their friend and teacher killed. They saw Jesus laid in a tomb. In other words, they are going to the tomb under the shadow of death. And I wonder if the two women wondered at that time whether life itself had died. You see, these women had seen life emanate from that man called Jesus. People with various diseases, skin ailments, vision impairments, physical disabilities, they would touch Jesus or Jesus would touch them and it was like life flowed out of Jesus and they were healed. It's like healing was in his touch. Jesus took bread and distributed fish and thousands of hungry mouths were fed. Bread can mean life to the hungry. Jesus welcomed in those who society had cast out, welcomed them like they were guests at a great banquet. He confronted religious leaders of his day who shored up privileges for themselves at the expense of the poor and vulnerable. He invited people to follow him and know life. He would tell them, whoever would lose their life for my sake will find life. Life seemed to emanate from this Jesus and these women saw it. But then they saw him killed. The two Marys saw him laid in a tomb and surely part of them thought death had won the day. And yet these women don't flee the scene like all the male disciples did. They go to the tomb. And according to Matthew's gospel, they go to see. Did you notice that? In Matthew's gospel, they're described as going to the tomb to see. In Mark and Luke, we read of women carrying spices as they went to the tomb so that they could anoint his body, give him a proper funeral. In Matthew's gospel, no spices are mentioned. There's this emphasis on seeing. They go to see. And the Greek word that is translated as to see in the beginning of this text today can also mean understand with the mind or perceive a presence or ascertain a new insight. What were they hoping to see? Well, maybe the Marys recalled how Jesus on two separate occasions had not only predicted his suffering and death, but had told his followers that on the third day he would be raised to life. Maybe the women held out hope that this life-giving God they had seen at work in Jesus was still at work in the world, still had something before them. The two Marys went to the tomb under the shadow of death, but they went with eyes wide open and Lord, what their eyes would see. 
In the other gospels, the action of the tomb being open takes place behind the scenes. The women who go to the tomb see the empty tomb, but we don't read of the action. Oh, in Matthew's gospel, the women see it all take place. They see the heavens open. They see the earth quake. They see one like lightning with clothing that is white, a glimpse of heaven there. And they see him roll away the tomb, and then he invites them to see where Jesus's body had been laid. And then the angel has them go tell the disciples he is risen and will go ahead of them to Galilee. And as the women go to do just that, as Matthew's gospel tells the story, these women who had seen so much see something else. They see the risen Savior right before their eyes. They see Jesus. So how do you celebrate Easter under the shadow of death? The two Marys show us how. They don't flee the scene in terror. They go to the tomb. They keep watch. They acknowledge the death that's in the air. That's what you do when you're under the shadow of death. You keep watch. You grieve, but you listen for God's voice. You watch for what God has yet to do. And right there, living in the shadow of death as these women were, as we are today, God brings life. God calls and claims you as God did these two women. And then God uses you in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit for God's life-giving purposes Today, that's what God does with these two women, calls and claims them, shows them life anew, meets them right where they were in the shadow of death and brings them life, brings them the very presence of God as they knew it in Jesus Christ. God brings life to a people living under the shadow of death. Now, what do I mean by life. I certainly mean by life more than just breathing and eating. Jesus asked his followers, is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? By life, I mean living in communion with God and with others as Christian community. By life, I mean losing oneself in service to God and neighbor. By life, I mean bringing healing to the sick, justice to the oppressed, food to the hungry. By life, I mean relishing the precious gifts of God, like food and family and friends and neighborhoods. By life, I mean knowing the blessed accompaniment of God in the joys and in the sorrows of life. You know, Harold Kushner once wrote that what we're really afraid of as a people today is not dying. We're afraid of something far more tragic and unsettling. We're afraid, he wrote, of never having lived. We're afraid of coming to the end of our days with the sense that we were never really alive, that we never discovered what our life was all about. That, he said, is what we fear. And that, it seems to me, is the opportunity in this moment, friends, to discover what life is for, to discover what our life is for. 
Living as we do under the shadow of death, we have the opportunity to do what believers have done for thousands of years. We have the invitation to go to the tomb and look with eyes wide open for what life is about. We have a chance under the shadow of death to receive the very gift of God, the gift God gave to the world in Christ, life. Life wrapped up in the promises and purposes of God. We have the chance to receive a new life in the loving hands of a Savior who promises eternal life and sends his followers out to be like salt and light, bringing life to the world. That's what believers have discovered time and again when they find themselves living under the shadow of death. They find that God meets them where they are in that moment and brings life, resurrection life. God brings life to a people under the shadow of death. It was during an Easter sermon in 260 of the Common Era when the Cyprian plague had raged for a decade that a Christian leader named Dionysus of Corinth preached these words to the congregation. He said, most of our brother and sister Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. They took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. Jesus said, those who lose their life for my sake will find it. God brings life to a people living under the shadow of death. Roughly a century later, another Christian, Basil of Caesarea, lived through the devastating Cappadocian drought and famine. It was a time of earthquakes and where a deadly skin disease was spreading. And yet Basil and his congregation heard God's call in a powerful way in that place and that time. Basil is famous today for his theological work arguing for the divinity of Christ and the divinity of the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that important? I like to think Basil sensed in that time how vital it was to argue God was really with us in Jesus Christ and is really with us today by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. It's important to argue for those things. That's why I can say with assurance, God is with you. God is here with me. God is with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. But Basil is also famous for organizing food distributions for the poor, of challenging the rich to give to those who were without, and he founded the first hospital. Did you know that? Back in the fourth century. There were places at that time where Roman soldiers could get medical care and ways that citizens with means could pray, pay rather for private care. But Basil had the audacious notion of building as part of a larger church complex, a place where the traveler and the poor could have a bed and receive professional medical care. Our hospitals today that we celebrate can trace their history back to his first, Basilean. The vision of the hospital emerged right in the shadow of death. To a people living in the shadow of death, God brings life in Jesus Christ. You can see it today 
in hospital workers risking their own lives to help others as they did during the Cyprian plague. You can see it in church members reaching out to one another and reminding one another of the God who is with us, really with us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, even in days of social isolation. You can see it in new imagination nationally around debt forgiveness, health care, access, justice, especially for those impacted by the virus. You see it in neighbors caring for one another, in groceries delivered to the hungry. You see it in hearts turned to God in worship this very moment. Turn to the God of life and in people discovering the good news of Jesus Christ and his gift of life eternal. God brings life to a people under the shadow of death. Do you see it? He is risen, friends. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you for the promise of Christ's resurrection. Thank you that you meet us in the joys and sorrows of life and you bring us life. Thank you too for the promise of life eternal, promise of life in the world to come and how we get a foretaste of that even now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be with us, we pray, make us one through Jesus Christ wherever we are, one in that resurrected Lord. In his name we pray, amen.